0: The OMTG Taps is brought to you
1: by StarCityGames.com.
0: The next stop on the Star City Games Open Series is coming up soon in Cincinnati, Ohio. On July 16th and 17th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the standard legacy and draft opens and compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Cincinnati, and we'll see you there. And welcome to episode 72 of Yo! MTG Taps I'm Joey Pascoe
1: I'm Big Head Joe Don't play timely reinforcements in Cincinnati It sucks <laughs>
0: <Hey guys. laughs> I'm Brad Nelson that's, that's Brad Nelson He's also on the, uh, on the episode with us So thanks Brad for, for joining us Uh, On the show today, so uh, we're going to talk about a a ton of stuff. Mostly, I think, centered around uh, post M12 standard, but uh, you know, a couple other topics thrown in. Brad has an announcement, uh, or at least a project that he wants to announce, and we don't know anything about it. So I'm as curious as you all are. uh,
1: Stop the suspense! I want to hear it now. All right, Brad, do you want
0: to talk about it right now?
2: (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, we got to we got to tease him a little bit, don't we?
0: Okay, let's tease it. Okay,
2: give us something, and then uh, and then we'll we'll come back to it later on. Do you want to do that? All right, my first announcement is I will be at uh, SCG Seattle. I'll be commentating for the first time. I cannot wait. It's going to be a blast.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to watching you guys. Who are you uh, commentating in Seattle with? Is it Gavin?
2: Uh, With Gavin, yeah. Okay. I'm looking really forward to it.
0: Definitely a lot of fun doing the commentary, and like I said, I'm looking forward to watching you guys that weekend. Um, Sure. So, uh, speaking of the, the SCG Open Series, we have Cincinnati coming up this weekend, and the the whole format is just completely different than it was back in Baltimore a couple weeks ago, um, as far as standard goes. Uh, we've got Jason Stoneforge now gone and M12 kind of taking their place. In, in fact, it's kind of funny because I f- kind of feel like M12 is not even – Big enough to take the place to fill the shoes of Stoneforge and Jace.
2: <laughs> I mean, the, the sad part about it is the the deck that I've been playing on Moto right now, which is you know post Jace and Stoneforge, but without M12 yet,
3: mm-hmm.
2: has been Cobblade. You know, you just you just add more sort of Feast and Famine's, and you add like uh, Hero and Blade Spicer and you just go to town. It's pretty yeah. much the same deck.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah, that's kind of nuts. I mean back back when the deck first well i know it was it was Call go in at worlds when kibler ran it Did, you ran it at
2: worlds too didn't you yes, i talked i i was the one that talked Brian into playing the deck
0: right okay that's what i thought i, <laughs> I remember you uh being part of the genesis of of call Blade. now in paris uh were you weren't you also on the uh the stoneforge mystic
2: yeah kind of uh, thing? the the whole thing about stoneforge mystic there if, if you want to actually hear that story yeah why not is uh, we were all hanging out in San Diego at a beach house playtesting for a week, which was a blast. But uh, right before we took the flight, Kibler was talking about Stoneforge Mystic and both uh, the blue and the uh, the black swords going in against uh, control decks, just other blue-black and blue eye control decks, and just having, like, two of each, two creatures, two swords, in the sideboards. And the entire flight over, I was like, you know trying to make up scenarios in my head of, like, Stoneforge Mystic and Feast and Famine and what kind of crazy things you can do. Mm-hmm. So we land, and I put two Swords and two Stoneforges in Kago, and I grab Raptor, we go downstairs start playing Valakut, Versa. Within, like, two games, we're already up to, like, four Stoneforge Mystics, and we're trying to figure out how to beat Aggro because, like, the first time you connect against Cut, it was it was this, like, inspirational moment where, yeah. like, you, I want to accomplish that again because it, it was a very unfair strategy. And but, like doing that against Velicut when they didn't even know about it, oh, that was better than playing it nowadays. It, it was it was unreal at that tournament.
0: Yeah, it was definitely the the talk of the tournament at the time. Like I remember, I talked to Kibler there, and he was like, you know, he described it immediately. That Stoneforge was like was like the bitter blossom of the deck that you just just play a turn to Stoneforge and. You know, and go, and that's basically uh, how the deck continued to go for months, you know. <laughs> so it was, like, right off the bat, people realized the power of that. So, actually, before, uh, before the bannings, what was your stance? Like, just, just in the weeks leading up to the bannings, what, were the, what was your stance on standard on the possibility of either of those cards getting banned?
2: Well, I definitely believe that Stoneforge Mystic should have been banned mm-hmm. um, just for raw power. And being that I'm not part of WotC, where I don't, you know, I don't have to be held accountable, I would say Jace wasn't needed to be banned. But if I was working for WotC, I would have just banned it as well.
1: Yeah, uh, for the That's fact exactly that, like, what we said,
2: yeah, like you have to ban the card uh, off the fear of, you know, Stoneforge's not changing things. But I, I like having Jace the Mind Sculpt around to actually keep the format a little fresh. Where I don't like Mono Red versus Balakut versus like. I guess that's that's about it. I mean, we do have some control decks, but I don't think they're that great. And uh, I'm scared of the power of a deck like Valakut. And so it seems fine now. Um, the format is pretty wide open. Uh, there's a lot of just aggro and range, but there there isn't a real great strategy for control, I don't think. So, I mean, we'll see where it goes. But all the control decks are more like, you know, get a couple creatures on the board, play a couple counter spells just because you have to against Valakut. Mm-hmm. But the equations for brewing decks is really limited right now. And I don't think having Jason the format would really uh, hurt that. So, but Stoneforge had to go. It's just... yeah, And it, it wasn't because of any of the swords. It was because of Batterskull.
0: Yeah, Batterskull was like, definitely put it over the top. But, uh, you know, I think I think with the swords it was definitely questionable. But then, then Batterskull comes out and it's like, all right, you really... Really put things like kind of made it clear the power level of
2: Stoneforge, yeah. And it had to do with this member, too. It just had to do with what Cobleg looked like. Like, if you look at it, all the cards were just a little bit too good. Like, Pyridane's a little bit too good. Manalik is one of those cards that's been around forever, and people don't think it's too good. But it's, it's really good for a deck if you can get gather like a ton of board presence. Manalik's a very absurd card because you're with Tectonic Edge and with Spell Pierce, like. It's hard to actually resolve a spell through a mana leak. yeah. I mean, you really you need
0: to build a lot of extra mana just to just to pay for it, you know?
2: yeah. And having dismember like dismember should have never probably been printed. I think that's a little <laughs> bit too good.
1: It's kind of ridiculous.
2: Yeah, especially with a deck that can get a four four life linker on the board on turn three, so like the life doesn't the da- even matter. Yeah. yeah, the life loss is just irrelevant.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy because it seems like now, and obviously I'm just kind of speculating somewhat because really the format is still in flux, but like playing Dismember now is really a a tax on your resources if you're not playing something like Batterskull alongside it, and it doesn't seem like Batterskull is seeing very much.
2: Well, there's there's so. one deck that, that loves the Dismember, and that's Mono Red. Like, let's just let's just go into post-M12 standard. I think yeah. the world has dealt with cobbled enough. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. yeah, sounds good. Yeah, yeah.
2: All right, well, the one thing that I've been afraid of, and I've been talking to a couple friends, I haven't played any games post-M12 because the next tournament that I'm going to be playing with it will be uh, Worlds, and with Nationals and all these SCG events, I can more theorize and get playtesting in after those results, but... uh I'm, like, very afraid of having Preordain and Ponder. I'm I'm just... This is the first time it's ever happened, but I'm afraid to have two core sets in the same format. Like, it's never happened like that before. Usually having the two core sets, it's kind of cool for a couple months. Uh-huh. But, you know, all the cards that Mono Red is, has access to right now and all the cards that these blue-red, con- like, combo decks have access to, it seems really hard to be able to control all of them and actually put a threat that that's big down later. And, like... All the mono red deck has access to so many deal threes, so like even pushing like blade splicer and these like aggressive like creatures out early doesn't seem like a good strategy if you're not either gaining life or being able to force them to kill all of your creatures, which I don't know if that'll happen. So I mean I'm I'm just very afraid of these blue red and mono red aggro decks. I, I don't know what's going to happen from that point. And you can't even, like, beat them with, like, Core Firewalker, Batterskull, Bainser anymore because they have access to this member. Yeah, that's definitely and, huge. And, and uh, the Burning Rage.
0: Right. Yeah, it's, like, two huge things Mono Red got, and it, they're non-red spells. Like, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. a, it's kind of crazy. Mono Red, I think, is probably the big one with just getting Grim Lava Mantor, Incinerate. I mean, shock, but, I mean, that's debatable. Um, <laughs> but I... I you know, I'm looking at uh, Shock and Incinerate going, which one of these is the replacement for Lightning Bolt? And it's kind of like, uh, you know, like you said, they have so many deal threes. And then, of course, just all the other cards. Mono Red is is already a deck. I mean, right now, pre-M12. The,
2: the three cards that I'm most afraid of is how red decks are going to be built. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Stormblood Berserker. Yeah. Which is the, the um, Bloodthirst 2, 2-drop. Two mm-hmm. Like, yes. he he has his own kind of, you know, Grim Lava Mancer, Goblin Guide, Serian Blaze, really super aggressive deck. Uh, and then you have, like, Goblin Grenade, which those two cards will go into two different, completely different mono-red decks. And it's already difficult enough to, like, know how to metagame against these mono-red decks right now because we can't just drop Core Firewalker into obstinate Bailoth, which might be the best way, or pushing a lot of pressure or maybe Hand Disruption. Like, it's going to be difficult to see which way to go but when these mono-red decks can go a bunch of different avenues and still be really good. Like, you might have the 12 creatures plus a bunch of burn spells, or you might have a goblin strategy, or you might just have this, like, sly version of mono-red. Plus, if you're trying to be a control deck or a ramp deck, they have access to mana barbs now again, which was a really scary card.
0: Yeah, it is a little bit scary to try to think about how to fight... uh... Mono red. The the one card that stood out to me a lot, and I talked a little bit about this last week, was timely reinforcements, which just seems like a kind of a cool card against aggressive strategies. I don't know if this is really going to be a big part of it, but it seems like it's got potential. And uh, do you remember what that is, Brad? The uh...
2: yeah, three mana six, like three dudes.
0: Yeah, I mean it seems kind of good. You're almost always gonna against an aggro opponent as a control deck you're, or even as as kind of any deck slower than some of these aggro decks it seems like you're, le- you're likely to have less life than them and then control fewer creatures than them, especially if you're a control deck, that's likely. So being able to put down just m- more guys to chump uh, to block and get you into the later game seems, seems pretty decent.
2: Oh, yeah. A card like that, though, it's, uh, um, it's very difficult to tell if it's going to be good or bad. So, like, making judgment calls on a card like that are ju- is just foolish uh, if you haven't tested it mm-hmm. because it doesn't have an impact um, like, a black and white impact on a game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, gaining six life and getting three guys that, you know, you're not going to win the game with the three guys. You're not even going to trade. They're just going to chump block. I mean, right. you might be able to, like, two for one against a Goblin Guide or something. Um, But it seems like it could be very good. Uh, it would take a lot of testing to see if it's worth a sideboard slot. But maybe cards like that are what we need. Like, maybe that card is going to be really good. Let me go check. I'm going to go check the art. I've got... Gather up. Uh, okay. you can definitely tell one thing that I found about magic mm-hmm. is when, when art for an uncommon is really good, they were pushing it. And it's pushed. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> it's,
0: it's funny, it's really funny.
2: Yeah, it's very true. Like rares always have decent art, but like when an uncommon or a common has like really detailed, like awesome art, they 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 thought the card was gonna be very good. So I mean, I think this card might be something worth looking into for like a blue white deck or even like a green white deck.
0: Yeah, um, I mean one of the things people have been talking a little bit about like blade splicer, and you actually even just mentioned it in um you know in sort of in blue white control kind of strategies. I mean I think your your description of it was more in a, a call blade kind of uh, kind of yeah. strategy, a, a modern call blade. But um you know this this seems like it is Sort of similar, fill, fulfills sort of a similar role against something aggressive, being that like you get these chump blockers, and in this case you get six light, but the fact that you can't predict, or you, you can't be sure, it was, it's obviously a sideboard kind of thing, um, more than a main deck. And, and then Blade Splicer also has synergies with Venser, which is, that's, that's where I've been looking at using Blade Splicer.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm very scared to play five drops right now mm-hmm. that don't force you to, force your opponent to attack it. Uh, so pretty much Gideon. Uh, right. <laughs> because, well, one thing about Gideon is you can drop a Gideon against, like, the combo decks and get a turn. hmm Um, you know, the, uh... Splinter Twins. The, yeah, the Splinter Twin combo. Right. And, but I'm scared to play other ones for the fact of how aggressive the format's going to be. It depends if, like, control becomes a real thing or not, which I don't know, like, I don't think traditional blue-black control is that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm scared. I've always scared of playing cards like Benzer for the fact that it's only good when there's a board position or when you're way ahead, when there really isn't a board position, it's not that good. Or when you don't have your own board position, because magic right now is really aggressive. Like the draw go style games just don't happen anymore. Planeswalkers have changed that. Right. And so the scenario where you put a venter down and the board's clear well, they might even have a man land. Like this, is, I rarely see events or go off when you're not going to win that game anyway. Hmm, yeah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, so cards like that, I, I like cards that do something. I always like to be doing something that can be uh, proactive and finish a game quick. That's why Gideon's amazing because he's he protects you, he protects other planeswalkers. But then when it needs to go aggro, it's just a six damage five spell, or a five drop that deals six damage. Yeah, which is fine. It holds swords like it. Uh, it just gets in there. It you know because of its prevention, it can't be killed by a titan. So you can like attack through titans if you're racing. And uh, I really just like I, I like that card as a five drop. It would be really difficult for me to like want to play something besides a Gideon if I'm tapping five mana.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense.
2: Yeah, I, I've always been just a huge fan of that guy.
0: Yeah, he's, I remember when people were first talking about him, and I was looking at him going, if, if this was just a creature that said 6-6, six, six, prevent all damage while attacking for 5, I'm like, people would be talking about playing that. So this guy's got two extra abilities. That, uh, <laughs> it seems like he should be really good, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to have him still around uh, post, uh, post-Zendikar block. Uh, in the fall, but one card that we're not, we don't uh, get to have around in the fall, and I completely missed it last week when I was looking over like the full spoiler was Baneslayer Angel. Like, it's gone after, you know, September um, when the format rotates. I was kind of, I guess, I guess I didn't, I wasn't surprised, but I, I was surprised that I didn't notice. But it's like cards like that, uh, Baneslayer hasn't really been seeing any play for the last, what, nine months or so since, uh, or, or I guess when the Titans started really picking up steam, which was pretty quickly after M11. What do you think about that, like, the, the, uh, the fact that the Titans have been reprinted in
2: M12? When the Titans first appeared, like, they appeared with Baneslayer Angel, and, um, well, okay, so Baneslayer comes out, it's, like, a really iconic card. Mm-hmm. It, it just did something nothing else did. Well, then they brought, like, the Titans out, and they brought, like, Batterskull, which just embarrassed Baneslayer to all hell, like, to all believe. <laughs> like, Baneslayer used to be this awesome card, and now it's just it, it was terrible because they printed a better version of it. And to print a better version of, like, one of your biggest selling points seemed, like, kind of foolish. But Titans come out, and Wizards gets a choice. They're either going to make these the biggest monsters in the game, or they're going to go above and beyond. Right, because y- you you have to either make creatures worse than titans or make them better. You can't just keep making titans. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they did just keep making titans. Like <laughs> all the creatures these days have these ridiculous abilities, and like I like the titans. Like I think they're really flashy, really good cards. But they they don't have. You remember the first time you saw titans?
0: Yeah, it was just like Sun Titan. I think it was the first one that was spoiled, and people were flipping out.
2: Like- yeah, an Inferno Titan. Well, I think everyone was flipping out about Grave Titan. Yeah. I yeah. That. 10 like, that is just unreal. And then, but, like, once we got through Scars of Meriden, and now we go through this set, like, every single bomb has a huge ability. So, regardless of getting killed, it's, it's going to have an upside. And I think uh, for Constructed, that's fine because most of these cards don't even make Constructed playable because the Titans are actually, like the best versions of constructed finishers. Mm-hmm. But for limited, like, holding a removal spell was, like, always one of these important reasons to kill a bomb. Like, you would always get, like, value out of holding a removal spell. Well, for the last, like, year and a half of playing Magic, that, that just doesn't happen anymore, you know? Like, they play their bomb, they play their dragon, they factor fiction themselves or demonic tutor themselves or draw two cards during your upkeep, and then you kill their bomb, and then they got value. And so it's almost like a reversal where you use your removal early so you can try to be aggressive so they can't get to their bomb spells. Like I'm having a big, a difficult time still figuring out how to play limited when you don't have a big flashy spell that wins the game on its own
0: you actually just mentioned uh you know without naming them but two of the new creatures in m12 right the uh the factor fiction sphinx and the uh the demonic tutor demon what Runesguard demon and um what sphinx of uthun i guess are they are, i guess are they even constructed playable like they seem like they could be so good but being that they cost one more than the titans it seems like they shouldn't they they probably won't really make the cut
2: no, they, I mean, the cards like that never make the cut in Constructed for the fact that you're able to control your early turns better. Mm. Like, Limited, you you know, you know just want to play a couple creatures, have a removal spell, like, that's how Limited works, but in Constructed, you actually get to make a curve, you get to choose uh, how many land you play in a better number, and your overall strategy is just better. So, like, just dropping a 5-6 on turn 7 and drawing some cards isn't that great when... You know, there's five fives on turn two with Plated Geopede and Step Links and Searing Blades. Like these cards, just are much better. And in multiples, they're better. And there's combos like I, I, the big creatures just never see play. Like Titans got there because of how good they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of these monsters, they're they're mostly just limited playable. And I mean, that's not true. Like for when when we're talking about Magic cards, we're looking for constructed playable in standard formats. Mm-hmm. But, like, these cards are, like, so well-designed for kitchen table magic. Yeah, Which, yeah. You you think about, like, the five guys sitting around a table, and every time he draws, like, that sphinx of U- Uthurn, you said? Yeah, Uthun, I guess. Uthun? Yeah. Like, and you get to, like, flip over five cards, and everyone gets to ooh and Oz at the five cards, and then you get this big monster on the table. Like, that's where real magic's at.
3: <laughs> right.
2: And, like, that kind of scenario is awesome. Or getting to play a dragon and demonic tutor, like... That's something I've always wanted to do, like, you know, get to go find, like, what do you go find in a limited deck, after you put a 5-5 five, five on the table, like, that's you a just go point. get Grape Digger to bring it back, like, it just seems so absurd. Get your other, uh, the other one
0: that you pulled out of the other pack, the foil one that came out of the same pack, I mean that, so, I, <laughs> I guess that's in sealed, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, I, I guess the whole thing with these big creatures is that they need to do something right when they hit the board, which is what the Titans do, and then they do it repeatedly. But, uh, you know, things like Consecrated Sphinx, it's like the other blue Titan.
2: Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Consecrated Sphinx, I think, lost a little value for the fact that removal is actually branching out,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it's not just Coblade, because it was just... Like, when Sphinx was at its height, it was good because it was good against Coblade. Most of the decks that you saw in the format were just good against Cobblade. And uh, now that, that that's gone, I think we're going to see even Magic branch out a little bit more. Like, it's a it's a pretty decent format right now. Like, it's very wide open. There's a lot of different strategies. Um, but I, I don't think Sphinx is that great right now, just for the fact that, um, it's not that good against Mono Red or Vampires and, uh, or even the combo decks, but what it was good at was never dying against Coblade. Yeah. So.
0: So do you, you feel like, uh, I mean, obviously you feel like it's a very aggro slash combo heavy format we're looking at, at least in the first coming weeks. Um, I mean, does that sound right?
2: I mean, I think that's, it's going to stay like that forever. Like, because like you have, you have Belicut. Mm-hmm. As the slowest combo deck. And I don't think Velikud's going to be that good because of how. It's just. You can't really get your numbers that great against Mono Red. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, you have Pyramid's Ascension and you have uh, Splinter Twin, which I think the the best and most popular deck is going to be Mono Red for a while. Like, hell, I've already been, like, getting my Mono Red cards ready, even though I've never won a match with the deck. <laughs> but, like, I've been getting my stuff ready for Nationals because, like, this week I. I'm starting traveling again, which I can't wait wait to do. But, uh, like, I'm getting all my cards ready, so once I'm traveling, I don't have to go through them again. And, like, one of the big decks that I could definitely see myself playing at Nationals is Mono Red, just for the fact that it's so good. Like, there are problems. Like, there isn't, like, the Blistering Firecat effect anymore in the deck where you don't have a card when you're behind that just gets you right back in it. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: All the cards deal, like, two to three damage through the course of the entire game. Like, even Grim Lava Mancer, like, if you're behind top decking a Grim Lava Mancer, isn't going to be good. Like, everyone's talking about how amazing Grim Lava Mancer is going to be, which I think it's going to be fine, but it's one of those cards, like, Goblin Guide, you want it in your opening hand. It's going to do the most impact to a game in your opening hand. And it's not going to have a high impact on the game just playing it on turn one. Maybe against other creature decks, but against, like, a controller or combo deck, like, he's not going to be that exciting. But then again, Goblin Guide and the new uh, the three three for two mana or Plated Geopede, or going a Goblin strategy like these decks still are. It's still going to be an amazing deck, but they all deal around the same damage. Everything just deals three damage, which means that you always need seven to nine spells to win a game. Besides the shrine, the shrine does break that parity, uh, but you need that in the early turns too. So I mean. My mind's just going crazy about decks right now because I get a chance to actually think about Magic again. Right. Um, and so I think Mono going to be a good, big, a really big deck. Um, I'm scared of Splinter Twin. Uh, I didn't think Splinter Twin was good until uh, Ponder came back. Yeah. Because the more library manipulation you get and the cheap library manipulation, the better chance you'll have to make the combo work. And the, other th- the, the reason that that combo's so good... Is everyone so focused on progressing their boards between turns one and six? Like, that's where magic's at nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not draw going anymore. Like, blue black kind of draw goes, but it's just, it still has hand disruption, spreading Cs, jaces, um, cards that you're playing and you're progressing the game. Right. Proactively doing something. And that's the worst matchup for, like, a splinter twin deck because all the removal and all the counters hit it. But all the other decks are trying to do their own thing. And react only when they need to, which makes a turn four combo deck very good.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then the fact that it can, well, like you said, it gets Ponder back, so that's going to be, that's just huge. Uh, And then the fact that it can transform into Pyromancer Ascension, which I think is what, Joe, you've been talking about that uh, since last Thursday. I know I was at your house and you. We were talking about Ponder coming back and immediately you started <laughs> switching over to uh to that as an idea. So what have you like <laughs> let, let's just talk about that a little bit. Like so what have you been playing around with since then?
1: Well I'm, I'm right now I'm, I'm testing uh Pyromancer's ascension with uh, with the twin combo in the board. I'm not sure if the twin combo stays in the board, honestly. Like I don't I I, I still I'm still like totally up in the air about it. Um, I'm really liking the Pyromancers deck though. Um, so much so that I almost don't want to have to try to switch up strategies between ga- games, you know, like
0: yeah. So I don't y- know. You're going. You're basically playing a Pyromancer deck that transforms into Twin, rather than the opposite. Is that what you're at the right. cur- current level? Like it seems to me like most people are saying go with one or the other in the main deck, like you're doing, rather than trying to combine them both because that's
1: they always right. seem to work against not. each other. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not combine them, but. Uh
2: what is the uh, the cards that you're playing in it? Like, what, what kind of strategy do you have with your Prime Rancers?
1: Um, well, uh, I mean, it's got the Ponder, the and the Gitaxian Probe. Um, it has, uh, right now, um, I'm, I'm probably going to cut it just due to all of, like, you know, the mono red that is expected. Uh, we've been talking about it so much and just, just kind of how people are expecting to see a lot of aggro decks uh, this weekend. Um, I have two noxious revival in the deck and, I, and there it's an interesting card. Um, one of the cool things about it is that if you draw two Pyroman, I mean I, I had um, I had three noxious revival in it at one point.
0: Remind everybody what that does.
1: Just- noxious revival is Phyrexian green uh, instant speed. Uh, take a card from any card from your <laughs> graveyard, put it on top of your library. Um, so a conceivable scenario is turn one, you can ponder, right And then you can get the Ponder back with, like, a Noxious Revival. You can also do this on turn two when you've actually drawn some cards and seen more cards. But just listen to me. (laughs) So, (laughs) Ponder turn one. um, End of turn, Noxious Revival it back, or whatever. I mean, the
2: the other interesting thing that that card does is it lets you Put a card on top of your library that you have another copy of in your graveyard. If you're just trying to activate your Pyromancer Ascension,
1: exactly. But here's the crazy: th- this is just so much fun. Like, so you can go, um, you know, Noxious Revival to get back that Ponder. Then turn two, play a Pyromancer Ascension. End of turn, Noxious Noxious Revival to get back the Noxious Revival. Put a counter on, draw the Noxious Revival. Noxious Revival to put the second counter on, and then you're active on turn two or turn, or turn three. three. Yeah, that's dope. That's filthy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nasty. Um but it costs a lot of life, and that's the problem. Like that's six life we've just we've just mentioned right there, and that's not counting like if you try to cycle like, a Gataxian probe in there too, you're at twelve life on turn three. You know what I mean? Which is kinda of bad if you're expecting to see a lot of mono red. Um you know, all their spells deal two or three, but you're kinda <laughs> you know, helping the cause a little. You're like, here, I got a play set of shocks for you in my graveyard. Like Um
2: That's <laughs> Conley Woods what he thinks about this first.
0: <laughs> you have to ask him
1: yeah
0: <laughs> it does sound like like it's, so, it's neat but yeah go ahead. So anyway
1: point is point is i'm actually oh i'm considering cutting them um for maybe some more burn spells um I, i'm thinking about slagstorm i feel like we we might see some titans uh next weekend if we're not seeing aggro and i think slagstorm kind of handles both um slagstorm can deal with a bunch of bunch of weenies it can um if it if your ascension's active it can kill a titan Mm -hmm. um especially frost titan which is relevant um you know it can actually kill a frost titan without having to pay the extra mana um or it can just hit to the dome as long as you're not at six or less (laughs) you know like i mean you you can you can do it but you probably shouldn't so
2: so uh i have some questions about the deck like pyromancer ascension's always been a uh, a deck and a strategy that has always been around, but I've, like, never played against it on moto and never worked with it. So, like, I don't really know that much about it. But w- what's your strategy against, like, Vampires, Mono Red, Velika, like, these other proactive decks? Because, obviously, Paramount Extension is, like, the nuts against a control deck. That's, right. like, where it, it, it just shines. But what about the other aggressive combo and control? Because it seems like the slowest... Uh, goldfish kill deck
1: sure um well I, I mean i've I've been playing against like some different aggro decks um probably nothing that I'm gonna see honestly, but just against like some of my friends' decks with it um, mm-hmm. and I mean you can use some of the early burn spells uh I mean I have more burn spells in there than like than like your typical deck um, I'm running. I'm running four Incinerate, four Bolt, and three Burst Lightning. And I'm also thinking about putting in two slag storms. So there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of spells you can afford to play early to take out some creatures. Um, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to sit there and just hold all your burn until you can just kill them in one go. Because you have a better chance of drawing into it. And, if, you know, if you're running the Mutagenic Growth Plan, you can get back something. Um, I can't make myself play Call to Mind. I don't know why. I just cannot convince myself <laughs> to put that card in the deck. I'm like, it costs three mana, and it's a sorcery. I just... I, I'm sorry. I just don't get it. Like, I don't get it, and I'm not running it, and I don't plan to run it. Um, no matter... But I, but my friends did make a good point about, you know, mono-red and aggro, and how maybe having mutagenic growth deal you six damage a game isn't a great idea. You mean noxious with-
0: revival? Or
1: yeah that I'm not running mutagen- <laughs> mutagenic growth in response to your bounce spell on my Pyromancer's ascension yeah, what the <laughs> hell does that do? Uh, I don't uh or pump your guy, huh What are you gonna do about that huh? no, but um i uh, yeah, so um it's so basically just a lot of dig um a lot of burn um and I mean the slag storms help in that in that respect like the slag storms will take out all their dudes um but uh. I mean, it just, it just feels like a really strong deck, and it feels like something people aren't going to really be that prepared for. Um, and I've been thinking about doing the, um, like I said, I've been thinking about doing the Exarch Twin Combo out of the sideboard. But, eh, I don't know. Like, I tried it, and, like, I mean, sometimes you do draw it, you know, for sure. But, um, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know, I'm in the air. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm still working out the kinks. But um, I do have uh, two uh, Tectonic Edge in the deck. Um, against against Valakut. I've got Flash Freezes in the sideboard. Um, and I mean can I mean can Exarch Twin does that come in against them? I don't I don't really know. I'm not yeah. really
0: <laughs> I think it definitely does, yeah. That it, comes it, it, in, okay. yeah.
2: I'm dealing with
1: it. So then so then probably that <laughs> I probably, yeah. maybe I do keep it and maybe I just bring in the Exarch twin against like Valakut and things like that and against like some of the combo decks. Just just run their combo and yeah, it exactly.
0: it doesn't seem like um, like it seems like this is something a lot of people are discussing. But switching, doing this transformative thing, um, and so it's not exactly going to be a surprise. I don't think, but sure, I think but it's, it's going to be tough to prepare for. That's the, that's exactly. the advantage.
1: It's so hard to board against. Like I, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to weigh the benefits. I, I just feel so much more comfortable with Pyro game one.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I don't know why. Like, although I think that like. Playing Deceiver Exarch game one causes your opponent to bring in a lot more useless cards game two if you board into pyro. Yeah. But I think that um, it's just tougher to deal with, um, you know, expecting pyromancers. And I don't have to always bring it in. If they look like they're putting in dismembers, I'm going to go, all right, then, you know, like.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's, let's
2: just, let's hold. There's a couple big problems with, like, sideboarding uh, alternate strategies. Uh, sometimes it's great, and that's where we all got the idea to do it. Um, but those two decks really do need, like, some of the cards are the same, but some are different, and because they're both, like, red enchantments, like Nature's Claim, Celestial Purges, these cards still, like, affect both decks, yes. which are t- two cards that you're going to see. Right. Um, obviously, like, I, you know, we wouldn't know if to put Doomblade in or Dismember and Things like that are really cool, but like just having a sideboard filled with more ways to push your combo through seems like to seems to me better than like having you know an extra four to eight spells in your sideboard just to you know get your opponent next next game.
1: Right. No, and, and that's what I was saying like when we when we started earlier is that I don't know if that's going to stay in there. Like I almost feel like I want to put. Like, say the black decks, like the blue-black decks are popular. Like, I almost feel like I want mental misstep in the sideboard to protect my Pyromancer's Ascension. Like, if they're going to go Inquisition turn one or something. You know what I mean? Like, um, oh, yeah. there's I mean, there's just a number of different things that, like, that could go in there. But, um, and I mean, I tried the Exarch and Twin, but honestly, like, when I was trying it, like I was a little more frustrated gold fishing it. Like I was just like, what am I like? What am I doing? This isn't Pyroman's Ascension. <laughs> like I yeah. just felt like I almost just felt more confident in the Ascension deck itself. It's like you look if, if you you know if you're that unconfident you know, if you're that if that unconfident. Is that a word? <laughs> um, if you're that unconfident in your uh, strategy that you want to bring in a whole other strategy after the after you sideboard, why the hell are you playing that deck? That's a good point. You know what I mean? So that's the, way I, that's the way I feel about Pyromancers. I mean, yeah, it's its neat to be able to do that. But, yeah, I mean, you're right with the Celestial Purge problem. That's a big problem, you know? Like, having to face against Celestial Purge is huge. Um,
0: yeah, that card be- seems like it's going to see a lot of play now. Like, it dropped out of sideboards for a long time, but with Mono Red being popular, and then Splinter Twin and Pyromancer Ascension being yeah. Vampires, like Yeah, vampires, like... Uh... It just seems really, really good right now.
1: Oh, wait, Vampires is a deck?
2: Yeah, I've, I've actually been battling with Vampires on Moto.
1: It's an awesome deck, though. No, I'm just kidding. I actually really like that deck. Uh,
2: um, yeah,
0: one of the cards you mentioned, Joe, actually, and I'm kind of curious what Brad thinks about this, is uh, is Mental Misstep in Standard. Like, it seems like it's getting more and more... getting uh, has more and more love in Standard, but that the last time we really saw it was uh, in some Callblade decks a couple weeks before the bannings. But, you know, do you think that card has kind of a place in Standard uh, beyond maybe just a one-of, two-of kind of thing in a sideboard or so? It
2: It's the kind of card that's difficult to ever see wanting to play it. Um, I mean, I played it in my Cobble deck in Singapore. Right. And, uh, and for the reasons I wanted to hit Goblin Guides, Nature's Claims, and Hand Disruption. But... Even, like, would you bring that in against Mono Red? It hits 12 of their cards and sometimes hits the Goblin Guide. Like, I don't even care about the Grim Lava Mancer. Uh, I care about, like, the Goblin Guides and maybe sometimes, like, Lightning Bolt. Like, if you, let's say, cast a creature and they try to Lightning Bolt and you can mental misstep it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like one of those cards that you can find something more powerful in a sideboard. Like, and... It's great when, like, you have, let's say, one slot in your sideboard, but you need a card that's okay against, like, mono-red and mono-black or blue-black control, like like those kind, but I would never see wanting to put, like, four in a sideboard. It's more of, like, one of those cards that can just, like, help your sideboard hit all the slots that you need to sideboard in and out with.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so, I mean, I think that's where that card's going to be. I think it's just, like, a one or two of when you just want to help out in the matchups that it's playable and. But I, I would never want to sideboard four of a – it's such a narrow card. Right. Uh, I would rather have, you know, Core Firewalker or something to hit one one of those matchups and just try to figure out which one's going to be the more popular one. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a corner case situation. Like, I mean, I, I obviously want a better sideboard than just saying that. Yeah. You know what I mean.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I was, that's pretty much – that answers my question. I was kind of just curious how you felt yeah. about it. Um, one thing we haven't really talked about is the the new planeswalkers in M12, which, you know, I think are supposed to be the cards that are selling the set. And there's the opinions seem to be uh, be mixed. Um, what did you think of the like all three Jace, Chandra, and uh, and Garrick,
2: the new ones? Garrick seems very flashy. I'm I'm happy to see a new uh, new green planeswalker.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it, the problem is. It just has like the the planeswalkers aren't flashy to me, because they they all have abilities that other spells already have done. It, it the thing is is all these like I've been wanting more spells. I kind of want to get back like I started playing Magic right around the time that like Madness and mm-hmm. like uh, Mirari's Wake were rotating out mono black control the, those decks. Yeah. And I never got an opportunity to play with those those decks in standard when I was a competent Magic player. Right. And I I know Magic's not going down this avenue and and it won't for a while because the the way that it's for the way that it is right now sells. It's more fun, mm-hmm. but I just, I dream of a day where I get to play with spells again, and uh, and not just be like these you know planeswalker blue white control deck you know drop a bunch of Planeswalkers on the board, play a Minespring or, you know, Blue Sunseed. Right. But uh, they just all have spells. Like, Garuk has the same ability, like, the same first ability as it did before, except it's just now a plus instead of a minus. Right. The drawing card is cool, but, like, I really wish it, like, destroyed permanence. Because, like, it seems like we need, Green needs to be able to, like, it needs something unfair. Like, the ability to, like, destroy a land that, when it comes into play. Yeah. Like, I would have loved if it had three loyalty and its its second ability was negative two destroy a land. Just something a little unfair because putting cards in your hand right now doesn't even matter. Who wants to put cards in their hand if they just dropped a five five drop, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's
0: definitely like a cool looking card. Like you said, flashy, I think is probably the best word to describe it, but it's it's like where does this fit? You know, it seems like it's strong but it doesn't like, making beasts every turn, I mean, that's cool. But I, like you said, I'm very much a, a fan of the the stack-based game rather than the board-based game. You know, I want, I want the, the stack to be where the game's played, which is why I've been really liking a lot of Legacy recently because I've been playing, like, mono-blue or blue-white in Legacy. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, I played that mono-black control deck back when it was in Standard, and I love that, and that's a... a Deck that uh, you know. I think mono black control is a kind of classic, classically loved archetype, and we haven't seen it in so long. And it seems like Wizards is trying to make it uh, playable, but I'm still not sure. What do you think about that?
2: Actually, right? Like, oh, you know, I mean, I th- I think mono black seems fine right now. Like, the the thing about this format is it's so powerful there's so many cards in every single archetype and maybe yet again we'd have to wait for a rotation but I mean the problem with mono color decks is like they pushed both red and black as monocolor strategies. Mm-hmm. I think they're both there, but the problem with that is like if mono red is popular then spot removal and early early ways to deal with creatures is popular. And that just means that it's harder for a mono black deck because the mono black deck has to be down somehow. Right. And uh, it, like, in this, now it has to because it, there's no card advantage. So all these removal spells are just hitting creatures that are a little bit slower. And then if you look back a year or two ago, like, blue control decks have always been really popular, which they, there's just no reason to play mono black if mono black doesn't have a better spell than the blue decks. Like, Frexian. Uh, Obliterator. Obliterator seems like a great place to be, but right now we have Condemn, Ouse, Dismember,
3: yeah,
0: like
2: ways to make it not that powerful. So it it seems like a fine F and M deck, but I, I would never even like consider taking Mono Black to a a serious event just because like mana fixing is so good and and there's just so many reasons not to be Mono Black. Then not only, enough
0: reward, basically.
2: Yeah, the only reason to be Mono Black is if you love Mono Black.
0: Right.
3: Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, the old Mono Black deck, you know, from back then, in like 2002, 2003, like before, uh, I guess it was pre-Mirrodin, because I think Mirrodin pushed out Odyssey Block, and that was wh- where a lot of those cards were coming from. It was just all about one-for-one one removal spells, but then you'd get the two-for-ones because of, like, Chainer's Edict, and then you had, like, all these draw spells, you had all this mana with, like, Cabal Coffers, so you'd play, like, Mirari and copy, like, a Corrupt, you know, Corrupt you. it was, it was, like... Hardly any actual creatures on its own, and you, you had Black Wrath
2: too. You had yeah.
0: Uh, uh, mutilate. Yeah, exactly. So it was like it was so much a control deck, and like, I don't really. I mean, I I remember playing. There was like a. Keldon something, Keldon Gladiator or something. I don't even remember what it was called. Undead Gladiator. That's it. Like, but I wasn't even playing it to be a creature. I was playing it for like its ability, which I vaguely remember. But it was more like a draw spell kind of thing. And
2: yeah, you would cycle. You'd be able to cycle it, and then for two mana during your upkeep, switch a card from your graveyard with or a card in your hand with with that. Gladiator.
0: Yeah, so it was like you would basically just could. Fix your hand a little bit better and uh, repeatedly cycle. So yeah, it was like I wasn't even really playing creatures. It was like Nantuko Shade in the sideboard, but most <laughs> of the time it was just Marari with uh, with corrupt or just multiple you got, corrupt
2: like, a Visera because like no no other deck could like kill a Visera.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. But like I love that. I would love to see a return to that. But even the mono black that seems like uh, Wizards is pushing now is very permanent oh. based.
2: Well, I don't, I don't mean a move back to that. What I meant is that the new Planeswalkers, all of their abilities just seem like cards that we've had before. So they just start adding cards to them. And I know that they've, um, you know, thousands of cards have been printed, so it's hard to make new ones. Uh-huh. But all these Planeswalkers have been really flashy, and these ones just don't have that feel that the, every other one ha- had for me. Like, you, you take a Johnny Vengeant.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That card was interesting. Yeah. Like, that was a new flashy planeswalker. You look at t- both Tezzerets, both Tezzerets were really cool and, and I know those weren't coming from Corsets, but even the original, you know, planeswalkers that came in the Corsets, this is a, these are the first Corset new planeswalkers, so I guess they can't be that flashy, but I really like having having it being flashy even if they're in Corset, because these this is where magic's at, you know, this is their moneymaker. This is these are the cards that we love to see. Yeah. And I just feel that the, the abilities on them were just a little boring. They just, they're basic. Uh, and I guess that's what Core Set is, but...
0: on uh, So is it fair to say you feel pretty much the same about all three? The uh, You know, Jace and Chandra as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, Chandra's abilities are powerful and not that powerful. Like, it it just depends. Like, I don't see it seeing much play. Like, it's obviously its fork ability can be really good if you're like... Using it for fireball or goblin grenade or something Sorin's on those lines. Soren's vengeance, yes. Vengeance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that's that's fine. Like, um, but they just seem they seem kind of like look at look at like Gideon or Soren. Mm-hmm. Like those abilities, like they make sense. Like on a card, they all work together. Like Soren looks like a vampire, right? You know, he gets to take control of you, he gets to drain you, and he gets to, you know, just drain drain a lot, drain a little. Right. Um and he, all his abilities make sense. Gideon Gideon, you know, is is just a guy, but his abilities make sense to like you can I can picture him. I can't really picture like Garouk or or uh or any of these new, new Planeswalkers, they just, their abilities are kind of like, you know, Chandra can either poke or do something really amazing or do something really amazing. Yeah. That's all she can really do. So you need, like, I just want a red Planeswalker that fights on its own terms, where it doesn't need anything else to be awesome.
0: Like, like Koth needs mountains and things like that? Like
2: Yeah, where, where, where Koth you need to be, like, mono-red. Like... You know, like, look at Jace or Gideon. They go in every single non-mono-red deck, but, like, all all these guys seem like they really need red spells to be good.
0: Right. Absolutely. Uh, and, obviously, Chandra depends on, like, the, her second ability can be useless if you have nothing really worth copying. Um, yeah. It's very dependent on that. Like, I, I thought Chandra was really cool at first, but then I started thinking more about her, and it's like... Her first ability is really kind of underwhelming. I mean, just doing one damage, you know, is just not, not where I want to be with a Planeswalker. Like, you, you want them to be exciting, not prodigal sorcerers. It's, you know, not really that good. Uh, and then the second ability just has... It's very swingy, being that it kind of depends on what you have. But if you aren't... You know, you don't have something to copy if you're sitting there empty-handed and you're top-decking land or something like that. like Or even creatures. Like, what's she going to do? Like... Not really, nothing. Um, So she's like super underwhelming. Like when I start to really think about like real game situations, and again, I haven't I haven't really tested with her or anything. I don't have the cards yet, and I haven't really just proxied her up. But um, you know, that's that's how I feel. But like Jace is one that I feel like is getting it's it's getting looked at in some interesting ways because I think people initially are just like, this is terrible, but it's because it's called Jace and we just lost. You know the Jace from uh, from Standard, and I think if if the the card were called some other Planeswalker name, you know, if it were like, you know, Locar or something, the Memory Adapted something else, like people would be looking at it entirely differently. But it's still uh, it's still it's a card that seems like it's waiting for something else, and I think Innistrad might be exactly
2: what it's waiting for, like that block. <laughs> And that was, I I was just thinking I was going to go to that. Yeah. I love the marketing of what's went down for the last two months because, so Jace gets banned, really controversial, like one of the best cards ever made. You know, I mean, Chapin wrote a song about the girl. (laughs) So like, come on. And then the new Jace comes out and everyone is like, well, it's, it's, you know, just, you know, comparing them. Of course the power level is not there. But now what we get to do now is just go, well, we just have to wait and see if it's good with the next set. So now everyone's going to be, you know, just trying to get information from the next set. And once we start getting information from Innistrad,
3: Mm -hmm. uh,
2: we get to, you know, compare Jace to that. And it just seems great. Like, uh, I love when um, we get to ask those questions in Magic. Like, well, it's maybe the next set. Maybe the next set will help it out. They said there's going to be flashback. and you know all these cool abilities so like that's awesome um so i I, i'm fine with that side of it but if you like yeah of, of course comparing the two like you just can't do that like jace the mind sculptor got banned and if you went through the history of articles like took every single like article there's no way that there's any other magic card that has been named as much as that card yeah. Like, just every article had Jace the Mind Sculptor in it, like, 15, 20 times. Like, <laughs> what everyone wanted to talk about because, like, it was so awesome to have in play for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, do you guys, uh, let you want to talk
2: more about Brad's project?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. let's talk about this project.
2: All yeah. right. Well, so, from the beginning, it, it all started with Rich Hagon in Paris.
0: Okay. I just want to set this up a little bit, set, set up the playoff a little bit, because there's people that have come back to Magic recently and might not even know like how oh. th- historic that was with Paris, oh. <laughs> uh, because that was huge. Like I, I thought that was just amazing. Uh, I was really happy to actually be there watching the the playoff. But uh, you take know, good pictures, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so yeah, last year, Brad, you had a pretty good lead in the player of the year race for most of the year, right? You're right at the top of the standings, if not at the top. Yeah,
2: I, I ended up in the third pro tour taking over the lead, and I had the lead until the last match was played at Worlds.
0: Right. At Worlds in like late November, I think it was, uh, Guillaume Wafotapa and Guillaume Matignon played off or played in the finals and the only way that Matignon could have tied you was if he won Worlds and of course he wins Worlds. <laughs> So he ties you for the player of the year, which is something that's never happened before. Um and just at that point, like ha- did you did you just feel like it was impending doom, like as that top eight was kind of shaken out to include him in there? Did you kind of feel like that was
2: at all likely? It so it sucked that he won after he beat Paulo, but uh-huh. like it was a scary top eight. If Paulo made it to the finals, he already won Player of the Year. Oh that's right, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a scary top eight. Like, Paulo could make finals to beat me, and Guillaume had to win to tie. Definitely a scenario I didn't think would happen. Like, obviously, the, like, there was a good chance of me uh, taking the title, but there's also a decent percentage of me missing it for the fact that five of the best Magic players had a chance of winning the tournament and beating me. Right. But there was no one in the room that couldn't... Uh, they had to either win or take second to, to beat me. There was no quarterfinal or semifinal finish that would win Player of the Year.
0: Okay. So what ends up happening is obviously Guillaume wins and ties you. First time that's ever happened in the history of the whole Player of the Year race. And uh, so you guys go to a playoff at the next Pro Tour in Paris in February.
2: Guillaume and I had a lot of fun with it. Like To be honest, I, and I do believe this, and I don't think I've ever said it publicly, but I, I truly feel that if it wasn't good for the game, we wouldn't have done that playoff. I, I still feel that we share that title. That that playoff was mostly just because, you know, the world would love it. Right. It was just something to do that's fun. Like, Play of the Year, there was no monetary value. It's just it's something cool to own. Kind of like, you know, a foil ptarmogoy or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a cool yeah. title. I get a bragging right when, you know, I have a beer in me and I want to brag. but for for all reasons like guillaume and i both shared an insane year and like i i got to that point by top a ton of events and he got to that point for making finals and winning a pro tour like in a year he won and took second in two pro tours that's just amazing
3: yeah
2: um and so like we 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 share the title like i it's the same i mean of course the record books will never say that because we played the playoff which was just a blast (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. It definitely the whole atmosphere of being there was. It was just so much fun. There wasn't. It wasn't a tension kind of thing. It was very much a, you know, just this at, this kind of lighthearted kind of this is this is magic. This is great. Oh. It's fun and it's historic and that was everything.
2: Like I mean, if 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 it wasn't for the people, so we each got like six chairs to uh, to put anyone we wanted in. Right. And my dad loves magic, and ever since I started doing this, he you know he always just tells me how much it. How sweet it is that I get to, like, travel the world and play this card game. And he's always wanted to go to a pro tour. Well, I'm in this playoff. Like, my dad's going to eat it up, you know? So I invited him out, and my dad came out, and my brother was there competing. And then I filled the other slots with, like, Kibler, Efro, like, Tom, Tom Ross, just a bunch of Magic friends. Mm-hmm. And I played very seriously, and I tried to not make any mistakes just so they couldn't make fun of me after the match. Like, <laughs> if they weren't there, I probably would have just been dirtling and, like, make fun of DM as well. But I just, you, after, like, two weeks of testing, it, you, you, you start to lose a piece of yourself every time Ephraim makes fun of you. You just slowly, like, lose part of your soul. And I just couldn't deal with it anymore. So like I had to try to win. <laughs>
0: yeah, on the other side, I think of Guillaume's side was just a bunch of ladies, I think, wasn't it? He, he had the uh just a bunch of bunch of girls cheering him on, I think. It was all his family members. Yeah. That's what I figured, it was pretty funny. I think yeah. they were uh they were flirting with Kibler um <laughs> during the uh during the event.
1: Sounds about right. Yeah.
0: Uh, so go ahead and continue with your story now that we've set it up for 20 minutes or so.
2: <laughs> We're really making them sweat this, you know. Absolutely. Uh, okay, well, I'll just tell you exactly what's happening. Okay. Rick and I did a project,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the project is my life story revolving around magic mostly. Oh. And, and the book is coming out in two weeks. Wow. Uh, it's going to be an ebook, book uh, starting off. And I don't know every avenue that will be on Star City for all the logistics about it. But he thought it would be a great idea to write a book about me. But the thing that he didn't really know going into the project, because he, he talked about this in Paris with me. And I was like, all right, like, I talked to Steve Saden because Steve Sadin's one of my good friends. And I respect him to help me with some decisions I make. Mm-hmm. And he's my editor at Star City. And, right. And, uh uh, he's like, you know, go for it. We'll figure out what's going to happen. And it seems like a great project. But I was a little like scared cause like, I mean, I didn't know I had a story worth telling and, and that was fair because I, you know, I, I've had tunnel vision my whole life. I just, you know, was a kid from the age of 18 that only wanted to play magic. Right. You know, that, that's my life story. And I mean, there's, you know, and then once he came out to town and we started actually talking, I, we both found that there was a lot more to me than, than both of us thought. Which was really interesting, and uh, I got to tell him a lot about my life, and he told me a lot about his. That was doc. That was not as documented, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a really fun week, and we and we did this project. And then uh, he sent me the first version to get edited, and I read this book, and I'm not going to lie, the first couple chapters were a little boring because it was all stuff I already knew, and I'm not a big <laughs> book reader. But like in the middle of the book, it like transitioned from me reading about myself to me reading about a character and it was just a really really good like i actually think it's a decent book and i'm not even trying to be biased about it um for the fact that i wouldn't be biased because like if the book sucked you know you guys wouldn't be hearing about it (laughs) right Right. (laughs) Um, and because i mean i don't want to you know a bad book about me out there that seems that seems bad but
3: right yeah
2: and so I, I have a book coming out, and uh, it was written by Rich. Great guy. Like, we had such a blast, like, hanging out for a week, and now we're, like, good friends forever. Besties. We had a fun time. And, uh, I mean, it's 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 my life story around magic. It's called uh, Grinder, the Brad Nelson Story.
0: Awesome. I like that title.
2: Yeah. And uh, it's pretty much just from me living in north dakota cuz like the the living in north dakota part like played a big ang- angle in the book as well because they're we're we're simple people, you know. We uh <laughs> we do our own thing and uh I never had dreams of traveling and like I'm going to denver in 2 days just to hang out with friends. Yeah, yeah i would never like 3 years ago, 4 years ago, I would have never dreamed of you know f- taking a flight just to hang out with some people. Yeah. You know, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to SCG uh, on the 22nd, you know, Seattle. So I might as well go to Denver first and then fly from there to Seattle.
3: Yeah, might as well,
2: right? I might as well. Value. Like,
0: right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole <laughs> traveling aspect of magic is actually something that I think people don't realize until they start really, like, either doing it or, you know, reading a lot more about it. But, like, even with us, like, we we've only since doing this podcast have we started, like, really – like I yep. went to Paris, you know, just, just to cover it. You know, That it was, it's great just being able to do things
2: like that. So. Oh, yeah. And the part of magic that I don't think a lot of people see mm-hmm. is the people you meet. Oh, and man. of course we meet people at our local f but that happens everywhere. You know, like you end up, you know, having a beer if you're old enough to drink exactly. with some of the greatest people. All of us are old. You know, we're all 25. <laughs>
1: And yeah, oh guess. yeah, yeah, we're 20 plus, 20 yeah, he, sounds good. You podcast <laughs> anytime you want, Brad.
2: <laughs> now I need to know, are you older or younger
1: than that, Big Head? Uh, I'm 29, uh, Joey, it will be... Uh,
2: I'll be
0: 31 in three weeks, so... Oh, three whatever. Weeks. Yeah, it's not, I, I, I just, you know... It's,
1: it's, it's yeah, cool, know. Us, but we know it's cool. <laughs> it's cool to be older, but like, when me and Joey sit here and talk about it, we're like, we've been playing Magic for 16 years, like,
2: years,
1: yeah. like, that's longer in my life than I haven't been playing magic. Right. Like,
2: yeah, magic's that, been yeah. part of
1: my life long. Like, like, people are like, were you ever going to quit? I'm like, no, not playing magic was the phase that I grew out of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, seriously, like, I've been playing magic, it's, it's defined my life, and I'm proud of that now. Yeah. You know what I mean? When When you are 25, you know, or like, or, like, 20 or whatever, maybe you're not as proud of it because, like, maybe you have, like, some sort of, you know, coolness factor. You have to, like, hold up for yourself or whatever. But, like, now, like, I'm so proud of the fact that it's what defines my life because it's changed my life and given me experiences that I would have never, ever had had I oh. done this. I, I wouldn't tra- – I've never traveled to Orlando if I were playing music. You know what I mean? Nope playing music
2: sucks, you know, like <laughs> one of my a- favorite things about magic player. And this is why I think we are like really hardcore. We're not like just like the regular hardcore kind of person, obviously, you know, we're nerds. We want to play magic. We want to solve puzzles all day. Right.
3: Yeah.
2: But the most hardcore thing we do is when they when, when there's a long stretch of highway and there's tornadoes and thunder and blizzards in the way and no one else, you know, is on that road. If there's a PTQ on the other side of that, we're going to try to go through it. (laughs) It's going to happen. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've never missed a tournament because of weather.
1: (laughs) We had um, um, Jerry T. on the show for episode 50. Yes, back in
2: like December,
0: I think,
1: right? And they were like driving through a snowstorm and he was podcasting with us. Yeah,
3: yeah
2: like we're we're insane, like we will we get it done, and we have a lot of love, a lot of fun like, like I love when people i I meet people that are eighteen or whatever, and they you know they wouldn't be caught dead like playing magic in a in a restaurant like me and a buddy were like playing magic at a bar the other day, you know, yeah, like eleven p m when people are trying to you know like <laughs> dance or meet women or something like that, you know we're bashing mono red versus coblade, yeah <laughs>
1: that's There's awesome. A- there's a bar up in Canada, um, I think it's called Broken City. Yeah. I, and those guys, um, I think some of the A-team guys, a J, a Jay Boosh especially, I think, is from, mm-hmm. from that group. Um, and they, like, run tournaments at their bar. You know what I mean? They have, like, like drink specials and, you know, sealed. You know what I mean? Like, it's That's awesome. It, it's totally awesome. I, I'm dying to go up there one day and, and, and just show up and play. It'd be yeah. so cool.
0: Yeah, defi- I've definitely opened a, a box uh, with the bartender at a bar back when <laughs> back when uh, Ravnica was, was out. It was uh, it was Chris Wojcik, Joe, if you remember. Oh, that's right. so awesome. Yeah, we, we split a box of Ravnica and we just sat there opening it on the bar, and he was the bartender. So it was <laughs> definitely fun. But uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm excited to uh, to check this book out. I'm a big fan of just magic books, you know, all the uh, Chapin's book
2: and, uh, yeah.
0: De- and Flores' decade and everything. So I'll definitely grab this right away.
2: Oh yeah, and like the last thing I'll say about it is like, um, Rich Hagon is I, I I love his writing style, mm-hmm. and it really showed through. And it, he was and he was also able to like keep both of our personalities in the book without overpowering mine. Yeah, and, for sure. uh, So I mean, it it was just a fun read, and I think I think it'll be fine. I mean, I I want I want some real con- constructive criticism from people about it though because. Uh, I'm curious if it uh, if it's good or not. I, I always pride myself on making correct decisions. I wonder if I did on this one. I yeah. mean, I'm pretty sure I did. Like, it's fine.
0: Yeah, I, it seems like. I mean, if anything, it's you know it's just entertaining for anybody that likes that kind of thing. Like, I've read the uh, Johnny Magic and the Card Shark Kids, the uh, John Finkel like biography, and I mean that's entertaining. Even though I don't take away magic skill from it, it's just something that's just fun to read, and uh, it's it's. I always find it interesting to hear like people's like to hear about people's lives and stories as they kind of progress through some sort of uh, some sort of accomplishment and, and achievement. And I think this this sounds great. Like I'm I'm excited to check it out. Like like I said at the beginning of the episode, I didn't know what, what you were going to announce either. So this is cool. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited.
1: I uh, um I have one question for you though. Sure. Uh, British rappers are all the craze right now. Is there <laughs> any plan on releasing a rap album to accompany it called Grindin'?
2: I I, I I can't give you that information. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Be speak, sure.
1: speak to your uh,
2: speak to Satan.
1: Joe cut our person out. about that. <laughs> <laughs> hail Satan! Sorry, I, uh, hail Satan! I can't help myself. But um, <laughs> <laughs> am I still here? Am yeah. I here?
0: Yeah, you're still here. Right. I think you're you're a couple of seconds behind us. But. Did you not
1: hear anything I said?
0: We heard it. It was just, you heard
1: they hailed Satan a bunch of times? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> we got the Hail Satan. <laughs> Satan is my master. <laughs> I
2: don't really like hearing that. I, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll throw that on Facebook today to, you know, get a little anticipation for it. Yeah. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> so,
0: one last thing. Um, Drew Levin tweeted something about a project that he was working oh, on with you. Oh. Yeah.
2: Uh, no, it, it's it's fine to be out there. Uh, you'll hear about it next week. So, like, our goal is for him to teach me Legacy. Okay. think that, that's the goal because I've only played uh, two Legacy tournaments, and those are Grand Prix and I've never been too invested in the format, and I wanted to be. And you'll get more of that story with an article I'm writing right now, and it's going to be t- telling them the story of, like, the first time trying to get this project to work, but it failed. And try to get more of the audience uh, help. And if I feel comfortable enough, I'm going to go to Grand Prix Amsterdam and take a crack at uh, another Legacy event this year. Awesome. If if I can get myself at the point where I think I'm good enough to go. And not just if I have a good 75. I want to know the format. Right. And I want to know the format like I know a format when I play at a Pro Tour or something. Yeah, that's that sounds awesome. And there's like... You know 30 decks in this format like how are you supposed to understand all of them yeah to the to the level that i i feel comfortable playing in a tournament when i'm trying like i played the two legacy tournaments i top eight at one I, I don't know how that happened ever i mean <laughs> and that it's very funny as drew's the guy that got dq'd in the tournament that i snuck in right <laughs> you know so a year later. <laughs>
0: sounds great sounds sounds like fun to uh, to follow along with too so yeah, yeah. Drew, drew is awesome drew's one of those people like that we've met i guess
2: in the last year he's just one of my favorite people to have uh, to have met i i know we're going long but one yeah. story it's really good go for it yeah uh so uh at at gp uh uh legacy that one two years ago okay where, where was that
0: uh, now I'm having trouble remembering, too. Columbus. Oh, yeah, that's right. You definitely. So
2: I went to Columbus because it was just the week before Gen Con, and I picked up a deck from Brian, Ki- Brian Kowal, mm-hmm. just a rock deck, and I played out the matches, and I thought even, I won't even make day two, but I did with 8-1, and I, like, won enough rounds where I think I'm going to take 11th. So I go do the Magic Show interview, and then I'm going to go grab a beer, go to the hot tub, because that was my plan for Sunday, It was just to, like, hot tub with a buddy or two and just have a, a relaxing day. Mm-hmm. And I ended up playing Magic all day, which was fine. I got some more pro points. And I'm doing the interview, and then all of a sudden I hear my name get called for Top 8. Well, I have no actual clue how this happened, so I'm laughing. I didn't hear about this, the, the judge call or the ban or the DQ. Right. And I run over to my friends. and like, oh, God, so I need to rebuild my deck because I already gave back all the cards I borrowed.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I need to, like, <laughs> resleeve. And so I'm having, like, Matt Nass and, like, Raptor help me. And all of a sudden this kid comes up behind me with, like, tears in his eyes you like like, me on the shoulder, just one tier, you know? Right, right. It's like the, you just got crushed your entire weekend. Yeah. And uh, he comes up and he's like, Brad, you got to win this tournament, this top eight for me. And, you know, I'm just thinking weird magic fan. <laughs> I'm like, all right, kid, I'll do it. He's like, no, you don't understand. You just have to win it for me. And I'm like, sure, dude. I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> like, right. I'll do it. And then I turn around, and I'm like, who the hell was that? Like, who was that kid? And they're like, well, that's the guy that got DQ'd to get you into top eight. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know. should yeah. have been a little bit better there if I knew that. <laughs> like, right. What a good And then I, you know, completely play horrible around standstill and lose.
0: Oh, was that the, uh, the the one that was on AJTV, I think? <laughs> was that that, uh,
2: that match? It, AJTV put that on his... He put that show on his. on AJTV?
0: I think so, yeah. He definitely has a a match with you playing around standstill on the first AJTV. (laughs) I'm gonna kill that kid.
2: (laughs) That's like the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in Magic, and he put that up. Was he defending or making fun of me? He was
0: actually trying to teach people how to correctly play around standstill. Oh, it's informational. Okay, it that's is. fine. He's not making
3: fun know, of you. Like, he's hey, like, hey, look at this dog. <laughs> not <wasn't just laughs> oh doing gosh. that.
2: <laughs> I remember when I was playing against it, Kibler was defending me, and he's like, I don't actually think Brad's ever seen a standstill. Because I didn't. I had to read the card. You know, I didn't know what it did, and I had no clue how to play against it. And I thought I was playing fine against it, and then I, you know, didn't. Go watch that AJTV, guys. You'll see me make terrible plays and you'll know that everyone is human yeah but don't make fun of me for that so for upcoming events we have this weekend
0: coming up july 16th and 17th star city open series in cincinnati uh new post m12 standard format on saturday and of course legacy on sunday um and then following the weekend july 23rd and 24th star city games open series in seattle featuring brad nelson and gavin verhey as the uh, SEG live commentators Pretty exciting! Um, It's
2: going to be so much fun. uh,
0: Yeah, and then um, July 30th and 31st is the Star City Games Open Series in Pittsburgh. So we've got three Star City events coming up in the next few weekends.
2: I mean, and then I mean, don't even forget about Gen Con. I know that's not anything to do with Star City, but Nationals is hella Gen Con this year, and that puts all of the Magic players at a convention. Which is something that, you know, never happens.
0: Yeah, Gen Con, that's the weekend after, right? Is that like the first yeah, weekend in August? Yeah,
2: it's the 4th and 5th.
0: Yeah, so we'll uh, definitely be reminding you guys every every week up until then that Gen Con and, and it, Nationals it,
2: it are coming. Took, like, anyone deciding if they should or shouldn't go to Gen Con, I think it's a great time to be there because... Every magic person's going to be there in the U.S., and Gen Con's a fun time anyway, and so and there's just going to be a ton of magic and other things to do. Like, every time I've ever been to Gen Con, I've loved it. And when they said I get to go there and play magic, it's just it's awesome. One more plug for Brad's book. It's going to be fun. Go read it. If you have a Kindle or just even a computer.
0: Yeah. Grinder, the Brad Nelson story, out yes. uh, in just a couple of weeks on Star City, yep.
2: right? Yeah, uh, going live when I'm at the
1: SCG.
0: Awesome. So, I think that's everything for this week. We are Yo MTG Taps.
1: Stop (laughs) getting disconnected from your (laughs) connection.
3: Stop, stop grinding.
0: Joe, are you going? You were planning on it, weren't you? And he lost the call.
2: <laughs> yeah, and not stay with us. Yeah,
0: he just does not want to hang out. Uh, well, I'll see if he comes back in the next few seconds. But uh, if not, we'll I think just we might as well wrap it. Dude. Yeah. Joe, you back?
1: Yes, I'm going. No, I'm not going. Gen... <laughs> All right. I'm going to SCG Cincinnati.
0: Okay, but you're not going to Gen Con. No. Oh. <laughs> do it i will do the
2: <laughs> let's just not invite him back i, I was there. supposed to yeah.
1: but um uh, <laughs> can we just end can we just we're
2: trying <laughs> to
0: the end. this is we're gonna do the ending now but uh, okay. so uh i think that's everything for this week we are yo mtg taps
1: <laughs> stop getting disconnected from your interaction
0: <laughs> <laughs> you start grinding that works too Joe
1: yeah it does
0: (laughs) alright Joe you're still there
1: I guess do you want
0: to use that as the ending that's fine yes okay we'll just use that